All right, great to have you here in God's house in this third hour. Pray for a little supernatural dose of energy. I tried Krispy Kreme and it didn't work, or at least it's over with now. So I need a little extra help this morning after last night. We had a great time. Boom Bash went off after uh, we had a gully washer. Uh, evidently, I've asked in the first two services, y'all know what a gully washer is, right? Everybody got it? Man, they did it pour. And all these guys had set up all that media equipment and taken two days to get everything really out there. And then they had to take it all back down. We couldn't plug it in. It was too dangerous. And so we had to use the equipment we had, which didn't get the sound out very far. And yet, you know, I'm thinking the whole time. First, I thought, oh, Lord, I'm going to be eating hot dogs for a month or more. And then I thought, well, nobody's going to show up now. And then when the last few drops hit the ground, people started coming by the thousands. And uh, we, we, we served a lot of hot dogs, gave away some good stuff. But most of all, we gave them Jesus. Fourteen people got baptized here last night uh, in the event. So that was good. And that is, uh, that is not even getting the sound very far out there. And so we have some others that got saved. In addition to that, they're going to be counseled. We have a lot of people to follow up with. But hundreds of you volunteered. Thank you so much. I want to give a special shout out, though, to these media guys who had worked their guts out and then had to pull it all down. Would you all express your appreciation to this team right here? And... Um, most of the equipment got wet. So if you've got like four tons of rice, you could loan us. We're going to throw it all in the rice. And um, I, hope it does, I hope it didn't mess anything up. But it was a great event. Um, you know, look, after the storm came through, I looked over my shoulder out this way, and there was a big, beautiful rainbow. And it was God just saying, hey, you didn't want to sweat to death, did you? I just cooled it off for you a little bit. And um, then most of your children probably got a better bath than they'd had in a long time. Many of you washed your shoes last night, so, uh, or you threw them away. Um, it was quite the adventure, right? Aren't you glad God said there won't be a Noah 2.0, that he's not going to destroy us by water again? It was just a great event, and I appreciate all of you guys. Thanks for giving. Thanks for coming. Thanks for volunteering and playing and enjoying. Um, it was really great. So we're going to do something that I've never tried to do. We're going to stop this series Next week, I'm going to start a brand new series. It is the New Testament book with the most Old Testament connection. It's got tons of Old Testament in it. And so what I'm going to try is I'm going to preach in that book for a while. Then I'm going to come back and preach a few chapters of Genesis. Then I'm going to preach in the other book for a while and come back. I'm not worried about cutesy little sermonettes or all of that, right? Because sermonettes make Christianettes, dancing like majorettes, smoking cigarettes. So we're not worried about sermonettes. We're just going to preach the Bible. And if you want to come, come. If you want to tune in, tune in. If you don't, that's fine. May the fleas of a thousand camels infest your armpits. I don't care. No, I'm kidding. I do care. I want you to tune and I want you to come. But we're going to start the book of Hebrews next week. The book of Hebrews. We'll start a brand new journey. And I've got a message ready for you called Who's the Goat? <laughs> That'll be fun. All right? You know what that is? You know what that is. If not, Google it. Okay. So who's the goat? That'll be next week. We're talking, though, right now, and I'm going to do section two of the wages of sin. Man, of all of the places I've ever been to preach, Genesis 5 would be one of the least likely places. Um, I came into last week kicking and screaming, saying, Lord, I don't know what to make of all this death 
over and over and over, there's death. And, and I don't know much that's going to happen out of this, but I'm going to tell you all, people got saved every service last week. God showed up and reminded me, look, son, it's not about you. It's about my word and the power of the gospel. And so why don't you just get out of my way and let me be God? So I'm going to trust that God's going to do something great this hour as well. We do get a little bit more light this hour. Last time we talked about the wages of sin, and I'm going to review that. But before I do it, let me get you back to verse 7 of chapter 4. This will be the last time we say it together. I really hope you've started to memorize it. It's God speaking to Cain right before Cain would commit the first murder. And God's trying to say, Cain, in fact, let's just show it. And, and he's saying, Cain, sin's desires for you. Cain, sin is pointed at you. That's what the language literally means. It's pointed at you. It's waiting for you. It's ready to pounce on you. But you can rule over it. You do not have to be a slave to sin. Christian, Christian, you don't have to be a slave to sin. You say, well, I can't help it. If you're a Christian, you can. You say, well, I'm not a Christian. Well, then you can't help it. That's true. Because you're under the sway of Satan and the evil one, you can't help it. Because you don't have the person in you, you don't have the power in you to take care of the problem. You don't have the person of the Holy Spirit. Today, you can. Some people came last night. I had one little, one little girl come up to me. She was as sweet as she could be. And she said, um... I, I want to get baptized. And I said, okay, is your mom and dad okay? We want to talk to you about that. And her mom followed her, and then they went over to a counselor, and she understood the gospel. She understood what Jesus had done for her, and she was one of those 14 that got baptized. And I just thought, Lord, I'm sitting over here in this baseball dugout a few hours ago thinking this thing's over, thinking this thing is canceled, thinking we have blown more than a dollar. <laughs> we have put a lot of money into this thing. Um, it takes tens, you might imagine, it takes tens of thousands of dollars to feed that many people, to have an event that large, that many inflatables. The pyro, the pyro show alone is an investment. And that being said, I, just God is so much bigger, so much greater. So don't let sin rule over you, okay? I want to say this with y'all. You ready? Let's say it together. Here we go. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. All right, now y'all got it. Bunch of blanks, here we go. If you do, will you not be? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule. Yeah, y'all got it. That is cool. I like that. Excellent. Thank you so much. You really can. You really can overcome. You don't have to be a coper. You can be an overcomer. We learned last week the wages of sin truly is death. And I said the profound theme of these verses is he lived and he died. He lived and he died. And there you know, we have to learn how to master how to live and how to die. What else really matters? Because it's coming for us all. We said that we cannot escape the consequences of our first parents' choices. Death is everywhere. I talked to you about the age of the antediluvians. They're living to be 900 years old and stuff. And I said, look, no matter how long you live, unless God chooses to take you home like he did Enoch or through rapture, which is what we're going to talk about in just a minute, you're going to taste death. You are going to go through that portal called death. You say, man, that is depressing. Well, hang on, Jack. There's some good news coming. Stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. I'm going to read, the whole, I'm going to read these selected verses again. If you can't keep up in your Bible, 
We'll have it for you on the screens, okay? And then we're going to focus on just a few key areas here. 16, chapter 4. Then came out from the presence of the Lord, because God had, had driven him away, remember? And he dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden, and Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch, and built a city and named the name of the city after the name of the son Enoch. Okay. Now there's a different Enoch we're going to study a little later. Verse 25. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. That is a very important name. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. As for Seth, to him also a son was born, and his name was Enosh. Check this phrase out. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. Now look at the screen. You see how Lord is in what we call small caps. Small caps. Every time you see that in a modern English translation, it means that's the name Yahweh, or we would now say it in English more like this, Jehovah. Take the same consonants and it becomes Jehovah. It's the covenant personal name of God. Okay, and so men begin to call. So we get some early worshipers. Chapter five, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam and the day God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and he blessed them and he called them. If you have a King James, it'll simply say man. It is the word Adam, Adam, meaning we're all in this together. In the New King James, it's rendered mankind, doesn't matter. All of us, we are in one race, the human race. And this is what the Bible is reiterating over and over in the creation narrative. And it says that they were created in that day and Adam lived 130 years, begot a son in his own likeness. So now our children are said to be in our likeness like we are in our heavenly father's likeness. And he made him after his image, and he named him Seth. We just heard about him. And after he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years, and he had sons and daughters. How many of y'all reckon he had? A whole bunch of them. And so all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Yeah, y'all going to get this by the end. Verse 8, so the days of Seth were 912 years, and verse 11, so all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and all right, let's move to verse 21. 21, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. Y'all remember him after he begot Methuselah? Enoch walked with God 300 years, and he had sons and daughters. How many you reckon he had? A whole bunch of them, right? And then after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God those years. He had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and... No, he didn't. Pay attention. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. <laughs> Sorry. Methuselah lived 187 years and begot Lamech. Now, this is pretty interesting. Watch this. So Enoch has Methuselah. Methuselah has Lamech. All the days of Methuselah, verse 27, were 969 years. Oldest recorded human being ever on planet Earth and... Yeah, indeed he did. He was the oldest dude, but death still came for him. Lamech lived 182 years and had a son. So now we got Methuselah's grandkid. Methuselah's grandson. He called his name Noah. That's pretty cool. And he said, this one will comfort us because his name means rest, peace, comfort. This one will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our own hands because of the ground which the Lord hath cursed. And after he begot Noah, Lamech lived 595 years and he had sons and daughters. How many you reckon he had? Whew, man, that's a lot of grandkids, y'all. And so all the days of Lamech were 777 years and 
he died. And Noah was 500 years old. Noah begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And praise God he did, or we wouldn't be here. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. It is truth without any mixture of error. God, you are speaking to us even through an old genealogical list because you've given us some bright rays of hope even as we walk through this cemetery of the patriarchs. I pray that you would draw people to yourself in this hour. That for the little bit of time we've got together, Lord, remove the distractions. Let us think on you. Let us be focused on you. And let us give you our best in these moments together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you and be seated. So we've learned that the wages of sin is death. The second truth you got a couple with that, according to Romans 6.23, is the gift of God truly is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I'm going to show you eternal life because heretofore, all we've seen in the text is death. We saw Cain killing Abel. He died. And there's no commentary on what happens next. We see Adam. He dies. We see this whole list of people. Enosh, Canaan, Mahaliel, Jared, even guys I didn't read. They live, they die. They live, they die. Even Methuselah himself, 969 years old, he lives and he dies, but we get no commentary. And yet tucked here sort of in the middle is a guy named Enoch. And Enoch does not die. And it tells me something way up early in Genesis. It tells me death is not the end. It tells me death is not all that there is. And that's good news because it sounds like you can just live a long time and then boom, you're done. But you see in verses 25 and 26, we have this promised child, this appointed child. Now maybe Adam and Eve heard his, they called him Seth, appointed. Maybe they thought he was the child of Genesis 3.15. Y'all learned that verse. It was the verse that was God cursing Satan. And it's that verse that said, you know what, you're going, to, you're going to bruise the hill of the promised child, the anointed child, the appointed one. You're going to bruise his hill, but he is going to bruise your head. He's going to crush you. Well, of course, we know this side of the cross, that was Jesus. But maybe they thought, well, this is Seth. This is Seth, the appointed one, but it wasn't Seth. But it kind of was. What do you mean it kind of was? Well, where did Jesus come from? Jesus did not come from the line of Abel. Jesus did not come from the line of Cain. Jesus actually came from the anointed line, the appointed line. Look at Luke 3.38. It's going to be on your screen. It tells us that Jesus came from the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. In other words, Seth was appointed, or yeah, appointed, that's what his name means, by God, and Jesus was appointed and anointed as Messiah by God. In fact, we'll just leave it up. Look at the word Messiah. Messiah in Hebrew means the anointed one, appointed one, chosen one. That's why that miniseries is called The Chosen. That is the name for Jesus. It's not Jesus Christ, first name, last name, Bobby Lewis, Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. It's an identifier. So you might say it like this, Bobby the preacher, Bobby the pastor, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus is the chosen one of God who came through the appointed son, Seth. So we have this glimmer of light, this glimmer of hope here in chapter four. In fact, at the very end of chapter four, it says, then when Seth is born, men begin to call, he has his own son too, Enosh, not Enoch. 
Then, at this time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. They began to call on Yahweh. They began to call on the Lord that introduced himself to Moses at the burning bush that was not consumed. Moses was stuttering around, right? Lord, who will I say sent me? And God said, you tell him, I am sent you. I was, am, and always will be. I am the self-existent, eternal God. I am Yahweh, we would say Jehovah. I am the God who sent you. That's the name used here. Men began to have a relationship with this God. God blessed them. In this recounting of creation in Genesis 5, 1 and 2, God blessed them and God called them Adam. Your King James is actually a little more accurate than my new King James because it says they called him Adam. You are man. I know sometimes we recoil from hearing um, generic masculines. Sometimes we don't like to say he said or that. We have to say he and she. Of course, in 2022, I don't know, he, she, they, zers, I, I don't know what all they're asking for. But the reality is, in the Bible, it says, you are all in this together. You are all created, like Seth was created in the likeness of Adam, who was created in the likeness of his father. So, too, you are created in the likeness of God. And you know what I love last night? I've seen this the last two years. As we've transitioned Grace American Celebration and repurposed it and reworked it and kind of gone away from July 4th, which was wonderful and great, by the way, but July 4th, there's a lot of places doing fireworks. There's a lot of competition. I saw when I got here a wonderful event for Grace Baptist Church. And I did see a lot of non-grace folks, but they were all kind of out there, and our grace people were all over here in our tents and sharing food and cutting up. But I didn't see a lot of them in here. And what I noticed the last two years is I have known less and less people in the football field and in the baseball stadium. I've, I've, I've known less and less people because more and more community people have come. And you might argue, well, they just came for the giveaway. Okay. They just came for the free food. Okay. They came for the free food and came for the giveaway and they got Jesus and some of them had eternity changed. I'm okay with that. I'm really okay with that doesn't hurt my feelings at all that they came for this, but they got that. And, and I am a believer in saying if you do these big touches and you spend all this money, but eternity's not changed, eh. So what? Yay us. Look how many people we got on campus. Man, I'm telling you, when one lost sheep is found, there is rejoicing in heaven. There is a party better than the boom bash. And so this is why we do what we do. And when we look at people, sometimes it's very tempting to say, mm, well, they don't look like me. I wouldn't have worn that. Ugh. <laughs> they don't sound like me. And they're not, they ain't from around here. The Californians are coming. I know, I know, I know. Y'all are welcome. As long as you're not too cray-cray, you're welcome here. And I know you look at people, but let me tell you something. Now look, listen, listen, listen. If you're looking at somebody and you are judging them, I just want you to remember, if you're questioning them, you are questioning the image of God. Because when you look at another human being, you are looking at the image of God. And God loves variety. I'm glad we don't all look the same and sound the same. I'm glad God has many shades. I'm glad that God has many sizes. You know, not everybody can be 6'4 like me. I'm glad that God... <laughs> give or take eight inches. Okay, so listen. 
I'm just, I'm just telling you that there's a beauty in this, and the Bible kind of keeps hitting on this. God made them male and female. God blessed them in his image. We are man. We are mankind. And then one of these names, of course, Daddy to Methuselah, he sticks out, doesn't he? His name is Enoch. It's not without significance that Enoch is the seventh named in the genealogical listing. Seven in the Bible indicates perfection. I won't unpack that. I don't have time. But it's a beautiful note that Enoch, number seven here, is the guy who is taken away. He does not taste death. I'll prove it in a moment. But I, was got, I got to thinking about this. So I wrote this down. Perhaps long life is not the greatest blessing one can experience. To be in God's presence is even better. Think about that for a sec. Philippians 1.21, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I mean, when you process that statement, yes, long life is a blessing. The Bible does say that. But think about it. He's father of, to the oldest living guy on earth. And, but he's a relatively young man when he dies. And you say, dude, he was 365 years old. <laughs> In the antediluvian age, he's like a 30-year-old. He's like a 27-year-old based on current life expectancy. He's young. But what's so cool about it when you look at this? Verse 22, he begot Methuselah. Enoch walked with God 300 years. Now, he had other children, and I'm sure he had many, many, many grandchildren. But he walked with God. What does it mean to walk with God? 20-plus years ago, my favorite part of seminary, I started in 99, my favorite part was chapel. In chapel, you go in here, you hear some of the greatest preachers on the planet. The guys like David Jeremiah would come in and preach. And man, I couldn't understand guys that would walk away from chapel. I was always hungry to get there and take my notes and listen. Because those guys were pouring into us. I loved to hear the singing. I loved to be a part of the worship. It gave a great respite between you know Hebrew and Old Testament and systematic theology and all that. And I loved to hear the great preaching. But it always was a curiosity to me. I'd see them, I'd see them coming. The administration building was way out over on the uh, other side of campus, and they'd walk toward chapel, and I'd watch this group of men. It would be the preacher of the day. He'd be mic'd up, you know, have his Bible. And, and back then, a lot of times, they did kind of dress up. Not, a, not everybody wore a tie, but a lot of them did. But they were all, you know, due to And then the president many times, and then kind of the deans and the entourage, depending on who the preacher was. And I always thought, they'd always, you know, be laughing, and I always thought, what are they talking about? They talk in deep theology? I doubt it. Probably some news, weather, and sports. What are they talking about? And how cool would it be? How cool would it be to walk with those guys? My final year of my master's program, they do a student preaching deal. And out of the 250 or so master's students, they choose two students to be able to preach. And I was blessed to get that honor to be able to preach until I learned that the president would be there the day I preached. He traveled a lot, but he would be there and he would be walking with me. And then he would be sitting behind me, and our president at the time did not like you to use sermon notes. So I took my Bible, this same Bible, and it doesn't have a lot of space in the side, and I wrote in every available inch of white space, and so I had to preach like this. But you know, here's the thing. After all those years of watching, now I'm in the club, man. I got my Bible, and I'm walking with the prez and the deans and the big dogs, and you know what I realized? These guys put their britches on just like I do. <laughs> they weren't talking about the deep things of God. They're just guys. 
Yes, they're distinguished men and, and professors. And you know what I realized? It wasn't a, whoa, look at me. I'm walking with them. It was, whoa, this is very humbling. There are a lot of people smarter than me I'm about to speak to. And professors and geniuses in their area, experts in the field. And I'm going to quote Hebrew to them? I'm going to try to speak some Greek to the guy that taught me Greek. You've got to be kidding me. And what I realized that walking was more about Building a relationship and communicating, talking and listening, hanging out, if you will. And you may not find that to be overly spiritual, but when the Bible says he walked with God, I believe it is telling us something. It is saying that it's personal. And since that time, having been called to a number of other seminaries and preaching in chapels and walking with the big dogs, what I realize is this, nobody's a big dog. <laughs> Everybody's just walking the walk. Everybody's just doing their thing, and it's much more important to walk with God than walk with the president of the seminary or the country or whoever else. And you certainly don't want to ride bikes with him. But anyway, so <clears throat> Enoch's, <laughs> Enoch's story reminds us. <laughs> All right, stop. i got to preach. Enoch's story reminds us that death, I'm so sleepy, I'm giddy. Death is not the final word. Death is not the final word. Y'all get this in your notes, right? This, there is the possibility of salvation in this fallen world. Guys, death isn't it. Enoch teaches us that when you walk with God, you can walk in glory. You can walk with God all the way to heaven, whether you are translated or taken instantly or whether you walk through the portal of death. Enoch reminds us you can walk with God now and forever. Adam hid from God. Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, but Enoch walked with God. And did you know the great prophet Micah told us to do the same thing? Don't you live your life for an audience of men? Men's applause will fade. They are fickle. They will turn on you. Live your life for an audience of one, the great prophet said, what does God require of you, old man? What does God want from you? Three things, he says, do justly. Do the right thing. If you do well, will you not be accepted? Do the right thing. Do justly. Love mercy. I know you want to lower the boom and sling the hammer, but God didn't do that for you, so love mercy. Love giving people more than they deserve grace and withholding the punishment they rightly deserve mercy. Love mercy. Do justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. God wants to walk with you. You ought to want to walk with God. What does it really look like? Maybe John, the beloved disciple, had the same thing in mind. He said this, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we, take, we say this every communion. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. You want to walk with God, you got to walk in the light you got to walk in the path that he has laid out for you. You know, look, let me bring it home. It is not that complicated. I love my children. They're a welcome addition to the family. You know I love Miss Lucy. I love Sophia, and I haven't met her yet, but she's cooking good in that little uh, thing over there that is growing a little bit. And I'm excited for a month or so we're going to get to meet her. And I love them. I love my kids, and I love my grandkids. But there is one person that walks this planet that I want to walk with more than anybody. You know her name. She's a pretty dark kid. Yeah, I love Jesus too, but I'm talking about Cindy, okay? <laughs> I love walking with Miss Cindy. 
I think you know I love it. And here's the cool thing. She's always with me in ministry. She endures three of these sermons every week because she loves God and she loves her husband and she's always with me. You've noticed from day one my wife is with me. That is no act. That has been happening for over 27 years, over 24 in ministry. That is no put on. That is not because she has to. That is because she loves her man or man loves her and we're in this together. When God called, he called us. And I love walking with her. I'm not playing, man. I love being beside her. It is effortless. We don't even have to talk. We don't have to say a thing, but to hold her hand or to know she's there. Man, I love that relationship. I didn't get to walk with her much last night because, well, we were putting out fires and figuring stuff out. And and finally, by the time the lights go down, she finds me, I find her. We're out near home plate on the baseball field, couldn't sit down, didn't want a wet bottom. But we're just standing there, and the lights go down, and the fireworks start, and I take her hand, and she takes mine, and there we are together. And of course, since the lights go down, she naturally wants a bunch of sugar. And I'm like, not now, the people around. Back off, woman. I'm not even looking over there. I'm not looking. I'm not looking. (laughs) It's the most natural thing in the world to walk with her. You've been with somebody long enough where everything just fits. You just know it just fits. Don't over-spiritualize it. God said, I want to walk with you. Does your prayer life just naturally flow? Are you talking to the Lord and listening? Are you just walking with God and when things happen, good or bad, you say, I I want to share that with you, Father. I know you know, but I want to tell you. When the day is long and hard and the storms have been raging, do you walk with God? And when it's good, do you walk with God and say, this has been great, look at this. Do you walk with God? See, I think we've spiritualized things and we've made it harder than it is, but walking with God means Enoch had a lifestyle characterized by devotion. Check it out. It says walk with God, not behind him, not in front of him. I see that sometimes in marriage and that's weird. But would you just walk with him? Would you have him, he's as close, the Bible says, as your right hand. Would you walk with God? It's interesting, J. Vernon McGee said this, I think of that all the great truths here in Genesis are germane, but in my judgment, this, Enoch, is the picture of what is to come. Here is the rapture of the church. Before the judgment of flood, God removes Enoch. Now listen, I'm not as dogmatic as McGee. McGee says this is what it is. It may be a foreshadowing. It may be a prototype. It's cool to think about. Think about like this. He walked with God. He was close to God. Judgment was on the horizon. God said, you don't have to face that, my boy. I'll take, just walk with me on the glory. What happens at the rapture of the church? The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that... This is going to happen for those of us who are alive when Jesus comes back. You remember how it talks about the trumpet of God? It talks about with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first and those who are alive will be caught up together to meet the Lord and they are caught up. In the original it was harpazo, then in the Latin it became rapturi. We will be raptured to meet the Lord in the air, not going through the portal of death, but just walking right on up. Or we used to sing it, I'll fly away, oh glory. We just meet the Lord in the air and it says, you shall forever be together with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. If you're alive and remain, you're just going to be translated to glory. But if you've died, you're going to go through the portal of death. Either way, if you're a Christian, you're a winner because you see Jesus face to face. It's a pretty cool thing to think about. 
And you say, but are you sure Enoch didn't go through death? Well, yeah, because Hebrews, Hebrews, next week, please come back. Hebrews 11.5, Enoch was translated to heaven. What do you mean? It says this, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. You ever think about old Methuselah wandering around? Hey, Pops, where are you? Hey, Daddy! They never did find him. You reckon Methuselah ever told Lamech and said, My boy, I got to tell you about your grandpa. He was only 365. He was just a young man. And he walked with God so tight, and he and the Lord were so close, I think one afternoon God just kept walking with him all the way up to heaven. And he said, can you believe? He just, and then I think Lamech probably told his son, and he said, I got to tell you about my grandpa. I got to tell you that he was so close to God, and my boy, I want you to obey God, and I want you to do what God tells you to do above all others, because it only matters that you walk with God. See, there are only three named people in all the Bible that walked with God. Only two after the fall. Adam walked with God, but after the fall, only Enoch and another man. My son, your great-grandfather, he really walked with God, and I want you to walk with God. His name? Noah. The Bible says in Genesis 6, 9, we'll get there. This is the genealogy of Noah. He was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. You better be glad. I am glad Noah walked with God because y'all know what? Last night would have been nothing compared to what happened in Noah's day. And Noah warned him year by year. He warned him, judgment is coming you better get ready. And he's building a boat, and I don't even think they knew what rain looked like yet. I'll teach you that in another day. But the point is, he built the boat, and guess what? Noah, his wife, his three sons, his three daughters-in-law, eight people, eight alone, survived the catastrophic universal flood that so changed this world and made things look the way they are today. The reality is this. Enoch was not, for God took him. Despite the setbacks of sin and the darkness and the desperation and the death, it is possible for people of faith to live godly lives and walk with the Lord. And Enoch is a source of universal and perpetual encouragement. And I'm going to close with this thought. Enoch walked close to the Lord and only lived 365 years. Again, think antediluvian age, pre-flood age. That's a young man. That's a third of normal life, give or take. To have an extraordinarily long life may be a blessing. In fact, the Bible says at times it is a blessing from God. But sometimes in reference to those most dear to God, life may be shortened. It may be as a relief from work and toil or sin or judgment coming upon the world. Now, I want you to process this. Have you ever known someone to die and you said this just too young? They're gone too soon. After over two decades of preaching funerals, I will tell you that some of the toughest are over those teenager caskets, those young adults, those wrecks or times when life's been taken in their own hands. Or The hardest, I think, of all have been the ones that I've stood over those two-foot caskets. What do you say? See, ministry is all about ups and downs. Young men, if you're called to ministry, let me tell you, it's all about highs and lows. It's wonderful highs, 
He's just seeing people born again. You're seeing them get married. You're seeing them come to the family of God and come to the family of faith, but it's also about the lows. When they're looking to you, Pastor, what can you tell us? What about my little 18-month-old identical twin, and this one lived, and that one was taken? Why? And I don't care how long you do this, you come to the point of realization that you are not God, and you can't always say why. But you can say, on the authority of the word of God, he is not late. When it's your day, it's coming. You will not delay it even by a split second. But simultaneously remember this truth. He is not late, nor is he early. If they are not with us now, it is because all their days had been written in his book before he lived to one. And God in his sovereignty knows better than you, and he certainly knows better than me with my finite mind. And God makes no mistakes. To live is Christ. To die is gain. I can't claim to understand it, but I can claim to believe it. And I do know that God took Enoch. He was a family man. He had kids and grandkids. Why would God do that? Well, he walked with God. What have we learned? The wages of sin truly is death, right? But the gift of God truly is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I want you to think Enoch did not go to be with God for just a little while. If you're a Christian, here's something really cool. Let's assume we don't face rapture. Let's assume we face death. And you want to know, what would it be like to be translated, to just walk with God to glory? What would it be like? You can ask Enoch one day. He's there. He's part of the great cloud of witnesses that surround us. You say, I don't understand that. Well, stay for the Hebrews series. That's Hebrews chapter 12. We'll be there by like 2027. It's going to be great. (laughs) You need to come and, and listen to that. The point is this, that you can talk to Enoch. He's there. Same as Moses and David and other patriarchs that have gone on. Same as Rahab. Yes, a saved prostitute. She's there. Because she had faith. But see, in a crazy world where it's just death and destruction and darkness, it's hard to see what's real and what's right in front of your face. I'm going to ask you not to get up. I'm going to ask you to keep the doors closed and stay where you are. We started this mini-series in darkness, and we're going to end it that way. So as the lights go back down, I put something on the platform, or had it put there. And it's been there the whole time, and a few of you have probably noticed it. I'm sure that by now you have, and some of you haven't noticed it. And so what I'm going to try to do at this time is just get us to all focus in the same area. I'll start over here to the right, and now you can see that red glow over there. But you say, well, that's very hard. What am I supposed to focus on? It's too much. I can't focus. It's just nothing but red. Okay, well, let me, let me start narrowing down just a little bit here, and I'll start pulling the beam in. And now you can see, see that sign? Miss Cindy and I will be over there in a minute. You should really see her face to face. Quite stunning. Come over. And then you see this thermostat. Well, there you go. If you're hot or you're cold, don't touch it. Okay, so anyway. (laughs) So you see that, right? And then we'll see. I mean, now that we've got the beam about right, now you can really focus. And what did I put up there? Well, it's not here. Nothing new there. But it's been in front of you the whole time. You just got to focus. And sometimes 
with the light, you can't focus. Nothing new there, just the guitars and the drums and the pulpit was there when Mr. Luke moved it. And then we come over here, and then all of a sudden, what you find has been there all along. And here's the, th the truth, folks. This old brass cross used to be on our pulpit here at Grace. And we still use it sometimes for funerals and such. And see, sometimes we're so focused on everything else, we miss what is right in front of us. I believe we have a world so distracted with other things that people miss the fingerprints of God right in front of them. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to remind you that Jesus didn't hang on a shiny brass cross. God in flesh came to this earth, lived a perfect life, gave himself up willingly to the whips that belonged on my back and the nails that belonged in your hands and mine. And he went to an old rugged cross, a cross that no doubt had been blood-soaked from those before him. He hung there willingly because the wages of sin is death. And he took your place and he took my place. And he died for us. They checked to make sure he was dead by putting a spear in his side and outflowed blood and water, proving he was really gone. They took his body down and hastily wrapped it, for the sun was going down and the ladies didn't have time to do it properly. They put him in a borrowed tomb of a rich man that had never been laid in before, Joseph of Arimathea. The day after the Sabbath, as the sun would come up, they had to go back and finish the job for he would begin to smell. And yet they had forgotten that the psalmist said the Holy One would not see corruption. When they got there, all the cloth was there. The handkerchief over his face was even folded and neatly sat to the side, but no Jesus. Because just as the angel said, he is not here. He is risen and soon for themselves, they would see Christ. And yet he said, don't hold on to me. I'm not done. I have to ascend to my father so that the helper may come. And then they went back and they told that group of frightened followers in the upper room. And that group of wimps, that group of guys that had all deserted and became emboldened when some 40 days later, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with new tongues. And as the fire fell, they began to change the known world at the time because they knew Jesus was no longer on the cross. They knew that Jesus had risen and he began to change their lives and he began to change lives for the next millennia and the next millennia. And in 1985, he changed my life. And in 2022, he can change your life because you got to learn to see what is right in front of you. Christ is here. You can walk with God, but you've got to say yes by faith like Enoch. God, I'm with you. I am for you. One day take me to see you, Lord. And in the meantime, I'll make sure as many people as possible know who my Lord and my Savior is. Yes, the wages of sin is death, but it is still equally true that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Stand with me. <clears throat> the invitation is simple. If you need Jesus, today is the day. Now is the accepted time. Why would you wait? Don't put it off.
Myself and my bride, pastors and counselors, would love to receive you over here. Please come and talk to us. If you want to come even now, there are already pastors over here. Just come and just stand over there and make it known. They will come and help you. If you want to come and thank God, thank him for the salvations this past week. Thank him for the people saved and baptized last night. Thank him for those we'll be following up with that may get baptized in the coming weeks. You can come. If you just want to come and lay something before the Lord, God, I can't take this. Well, then come and let him have it and then walk with him. He'll take it. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus said, you are not in this alone. I will be connected to you. How? By faith. It's not that complicated. You don't have to speak Elizabethan English with lots of these and thous and winces and wherefores. You just have to come and talk to God. Just like you would talk to a friend, a spouse. Give it to the Lord. Even during this short invitation, this is your chance. Thank you so much for watching us today. God is doing absolutely amazing things in and through our Grace Baptist Church family. If you'd like to share anything the Lord is doing in your life, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our app. And if you're ever in the Knoxville area, come by and worship with us and our family of faith here at Grace Baptist Church.